0: Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. And brother, I got a horse for you that's been dead a long time. This is like, just sort of wailing on zombie bones. Because today, we're discussing Starfaring, a game by Ken St. Andre, which was sold to me as the first science fiction role-playing game. Luckily, I did some research, and I was lied to. Find out the great details as to who lied to me and how big of a lie they told on the other side of the break on this week's System Mastery. Started this week, John. I believe we have an announcement mastery. My god, yeah, that's right. You should be excited because this is the chance that people have to pay us a small amount of money. In this case, it's a very small amount of money because this is like a four year old purchase from back before I raised the prices. Yeah, smart choice. I'm I respect that. That was the whole point of that's that. That's an investment, yeah. Uh, but uh, nowadays it costs you $75. You can uh, head to our website and purchase one of those. But rather than doing an ad for our own content, let's do the announcement mastery, Finn. Congratulations on graduating from high school and heading off to college. You have an incredible future ahead of you. You have an incredible future ahead of you. We, your parents, are very proud of what you've accomplished. Yeah, they they put your parents in parentheses so they'll know that we're not very proud of Finn. I'm not proud of Finn. Yeah, Look, I don't even know Finn. Yeah, I'm very proud conceptually of Finn because that is an an, incredible I'm proud of the concept of Finn. Yeah, yeah. We... Your parents are very proud of what you've accomplished, and with your brain and creativity, and we know you will build amazing things in the coming years. Mm. Your love of D and D and Warhammer 40K are rivaled only by your rules lawyering and pedantry, and, and love for kung fu treachery, <laughs> zest, and we love you for it. Keep it up, kid. Love your mom and dad. Aw, that's very sweet. Aw, Finn. Aw. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, Finn? Now I'm proud of you too. Oh, I'm so proud of you, fan. Yeah, it happened. We're both very proud. We could, our hearts are swelling three sizes this day. <laughs> oh,
1: and I'm uh, dying. Oh,
0: oh, shoot, angina. <laughs> well, we'll be back on the other side of the announcement mastery where we will be alive again and discussing the lies we have been sold. For you see, Finn will never go to college. <laughs> it's sold a false set. Of That's claims. right. it's still the ad we're still in the ad read <laughs> you've been lied to as well ah everyone's been lied to no i'm kidding uh congratulations finn though anyway uh we are going to be discussing starfaring a game by ken st andre it's from 1977 which makes it sound like a very very old science fiction role-playing game yeah now nah, for sure and, and ken st andre for those who don't know is yeah. the tunnels and trolls guy he's the tunnels and trolls guy and this is a very similar game in some respects, two tunnels and trolls, largely in sloppiness. In <laughs> that it's bad and s- sucks. Uh, spelling inability, the fact
1: that it's basically just a zine. I mean, here's the thing this was 1976.
0: Yeah. And. 77.
1: Well, that says it's copyright 76.
0: Oh, shit. There might actually be a conflict of discussion as to which one's the first, then.
1: Yeah. Uh, but this is very clearly like. I typed this up on a typewriter and then yeah,
0: made some copies.
1: Made some copies and bound it and sent it out.
0: Yeah. Well, which is exactly what Tunnels and Trolls was. Yeah. See, the first Tunnels and Trolls was like, oh, I made this at college and I Xeroxed or mimeographed, probably, it was the 70s, uh, a bunch of these and, and uh, shipped them out for a couple of bucks. Like, this has a $6 price tag still printed on it.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the kind of thing where back in the day, it'd be like, you buy this book and it has just on the cover what our address is in case you needed a, like, suggestion for something so you could just correspond with the writer.
0: Oh, multiple times throughout the book, he'll be like, hey, if you have a great idea, send it to me. I want your great ideas. Yeah, I'll maybe so. if
1: you have a cool idea, I'll put it in the next book.
0: Yeah, so that's kind of neat. But there, the other competition for the first science fiction RPG is Metamorphosis Alpha, which is for sure from 1976, copyrighted in, 19- I believe, earlier in the same year. Mm. So, there's, there's a little fighting. There's, I think, three games that, that are striving to be the first one. This one, I think, is the second uh, science fiction role-playing game. So, there you go. Well... But whatever, it's the one I was able to purchase. That's right. And as for who sold me this bill of false sale... I'm kidding. It was just a nice game store we ran into at Gen Con. It was <laughs> very nice, they're, they're games. nice folks. I mean, a great game store great that game had store. old
1: weird games because that's what we need. Yeah, we that's,
0: found that's our lifeblood. Exactly. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw them under the bus. They were nice people, and they were the only people I could find in the entire fucking floor of Gen Con. That were selling our books. Yeah. And they had sold out because our books sell well. So, you know. Because we're good. If you're on the Gen Con sales floor, get a couple fucking copies of Dungeon Meister and the Dungeon Meister cookbook and put those, put that shit out. You will make a couple of dollars. You'll get a couple and, bucks. And we'll get a couple of dollars. Everyone's going to get a couple of dollars. Yeah, we're going to spread exactly. that shit around. Yeah. Everyone gets a couple of dollars. Ken St. Andre gets a piece. <laughs> get your beak wet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember if he's alive. I think he is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ken St. Andre, if you are alive, get your beak wet. ha. <laughs>
0: Ken St. Andre, if you are alive, the war is over. You can come home. Your family misses you. Ken
1: St. Andre, please wake up. I am a doctor. Wake up, Ken.
0: Ken St. Andre, the sitcom of your life has just been a weird dream.
1: (laughs) You're in a coma.
0: Please. Please, you're flatlining. You have to wake up. Please, your friends and family love you. Ken St. Andre, we're instructing our audience to clap all at once. (laughs) If you believe in Ken St. Andre, clap, clap. How bad is this going to be if it turns out he's dead? Oh, it's oh. going to
1: be real bad, and we're not going to edit it out, is the thing.
0: <laughs> so We're going to look just awful, and that's fine. I don't fucking care. Tunnels and Trolls had the Yassa Massa spell in it. <laughs> I don't care. I've never been ashamed of anything I've said in my life. <laughs> I mean, as a reminder, Tunnels and Trolls had a spell that was a mind control enslavement spell that was called Yassa Massa. Hey, it's bad. It's bad. So, you know, this is, this starts, it seems like it's going to start better because it's got, the art in it is all done by one artist and that art is comic books or or a comic strip style. Yes. It's very Ziggy looking. Although, uh,
1: I gotta say, his initial thing talking about the art where he's like, uh, so I had no idea my artist would have such bizarre imagination. None of the artwork herein included is meant to be offensive to any ethnic group, but is merely an attempt to represent more than white American masculinity in what we hope is an amusing fashion. And I was like, well, that's a good goal. But now having disclaimed intentional racism, sexism, or alienism, all I can say is if you don't like the artwork, that's your problem. Like, yeah. hey, man, you can't do that. You can't <laughs> be like, hey, I looked at this art and it might be real racist, but that's your problem now.
0: <laughs> yeah, like... uh it's weird because you're right. He basically tries to say like, "Whoa, I didn't expect that," but also I endorse it. <laughs> but also, it's in the book. <laughs> yeah, like to me, it's kind of indicative. It's similar to uh, the whole Elon Musk saying he's going to block shit and then blocking everyone who asks him not to. Yeah, it's just it's just sort of a kind of a wild, weird miscalculation of a thing. Yeah, yeah. I was just checking to see the Dave Berg on the lighter side of from the old Mad Magazine, so I can make a joke about how the art is very much on the lighter side of race relations. <laughs> I mean, it isn't, is the thing. No, like, There was a part where he's like, I'm sorry, I did not expect him to do this shit. And I was like, oh no, I'm going to see like a bunch of ba- bad... No, what he, what he actually drew was just people in historic costume or outfit from various parts of the world just doing space stuff. I mean, you have one where it's, I guess, aliens don't like arabs yes there's one that says aliens don't like arabs
1: there's also every single picture of a woman oh, their oh her tits nips. are yeah p- prominent nips a popping.
0: yeah but like like uh, this guy right here like it, there's there's a dude on this page i'm showing to john who is dressed like a cartoon genie
1: yeah well he, he looks like a cartoon monk
0: yeah but i mean he's got like you know i don't know what you call those but the baggy pants huh. like i'm pretty sure this guy was the artist was 1970s not trying to draw a cool monk like like, he wasn't trying to draw, like, Yang from Final Fantasy IV. This is an attempt to draw a genie man.
1: Oh, I completely and disagree. That's you? definitely a monk.
0: Okay, I guess we got that's, a disagreement. That whole outfit thing, that's a monk. All right, if you say so. I'm pretty sure I, I'm seeing what I'm seeing. With the top it knot? It doesn't matter, because it's got nothing to do with any of this. Instead, it's the dude just, like, making a joke about inflation because the credits he's carrying are yeah. so big.
1: He's blowing up, a basically, a balloon that looks like a credit card and going... Ugh, inflation. Do yes. You get it.
0: So that's that's the kind of art you can expect from in here is just that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. There's you, you got some like space Jews and that kind of stuff. It's not great, but it's not certainly the sort of thing I would have expected Ken Saint Andre of all people, having reviewed one of his books, to bother putting in some kind of defense of at the start, even a half-assed one. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so what is this shit? What do we got here? Also, what's shirt war? <laughs> What I don't know what shirt war with you <laughs> Before the episode we decided that John and I are going to We're going to have a new tradition. We have we've decided on a new tradition. <laughs> a
1: new tradition that starts and will be forgotten.
0: Will be forgotten before Christmas comes around because it's a Christmas-based tradition and it is of course August. Yeah. Not not a great choice for the timing. Great choice. But we're going to do doing it anyway. Uh, our new tra- tradition is shirt war, which is where the only thing we're allowed to get each other for Christmas from now on is t-shirts and it's got to be the stupidest t shirt we can possibly find. Yeah. And it can't be, it can't be just, you know, offensive. It can't just be like Ahmed the terrorist with, you know, like him saying, like, I hate America on his little stick, ass stick or whatever. It's got to be, uh, for the record, that's not me being just generically racist. I don't know if everyone has heard of that fucking kid. Jeff Dunham. Yeah. Just, Jeff just, just Dunham, just clear, who has a puppet yeah. that is
1: a skeleton, uh, of a blown up suicide bomber yeah. named Ahmed the terrorist. Yeah. Uh,
0: I want to be very clear that you didn't just be think just be going Ahmed the terrorist as if like that's a thing I would normally say <laughs> as if that's
1: like, a regular thing that a normal person would do. Instead, it's instead no, of it's, Jeff Dunham.
0: Instead of Jeff Dunham, not Jeff and his Mee. twisted
1: imagination.
0: Yeah, that, that that wicked mind of Jeff Dunham. Where that, does he come up with this yeah, stuff? Stone Mountain, Georgia, I think. But like, um, if you if you genuinely cannot uh, like. Basically, if you can't believe that that's a real thing, like the Jeff Dunham was able to get make a character named Ahmed the Terrorist and make it famous, he's got a straight to DVD movie. Oh, that, of course. That's not, even, that's not even Jeff Dunham. It's just Ahmed the Terrorist, the movie. I mean, obviously, he was
1: able to get away with Ahmed the Terrorist. He introduced that character after 9 11. Yes. So yeah. it was just, hey, everybody who's very still, angry, and sore, here's a of like straw man puppet for that and mm-hmm. everyone went i love it and then a couple years went by and went oh shit oh no
0: <laughs> and he was like well here buy my dvd i've given him a, he doesn't really have an accent you know, he that does I not. i'm just giving him one because i fucking dislike him and want that disdain understood no he's yeah. just
1: like hello i'm jeff dunham i'm uh-huh. a regular person
0: yeah and before Ahmed the terrorist i like that was a an evolution in my development originally I had a character that was a jalapeno that I put on a stick. Yeah. Uh, and he, his whole gimmick was that he had the accent of a, of a Mexican uh, cartoon. Yeah, he was a
1: jalapeno on a stick. Then, of course, you had Sweetwater, the black pimp. Yeah. Uh, one of his other characters that he would do.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so anyway, uh, that, uh, what I'm saying is I can't just buy John a Jeff Dunham shirt.
1: Yeah, you can't just go to the Jeff Dunham store and buy me a shirt. Yeah. Because if you do, I'll hurt you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll hurt myself if I do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... um. I mean, I hurt myself today, but uh, I, mean, I just bonked my head on the garage door. But I still, it, did. W- that wasn't just me quoting like uh, Nine Inch Nails. No. Or the the superior Johnny Cash cover of Nine Inch Nails. Yes. Um, but anyway, stupid shirts, but they can't be offensive. Yeah. And the and the contest is who can buy the other person the stupidest shirt that they might still actually wear.
1: Yeah. Now, this, of course, came about because I found a shirt that said, I'm extreme like Denver, the last dinosaur, which is a shirt that I think is wild to exist in 2023
0: yeah and meanwhile he mentioned a chili willy shirt that existed and i was like i wonder if i if i could get a slush puppy like that fucking dog from the slush puppy machine in like an am pm can i get a shirt of that not only can i get a shirt of that but i can get shirts that don't make any sense oh for sure like just outlines of him that are loaded with the flavors in which he comes and i i think they thought that people would know the outline of slush puppy on site even without the trademark some color of hat i assume i assume see like i don't even know what that is red is it blue i don't know i don't know but an outline t- a purple outline of them tells me nothing i have no idea what that is great so so anyway stay tuned for shirt war it'll probably not happen in christmas yeah, we'll we definitely look, forget about we'll this we'll forget about it before the next 20 minutes of episode yeah anyway, by the end
1: of this we will not care what,
0: yeah anyway what is the present pre- uh, the uh, premise of stap fapping oh i'm sorry those are ours <laughs> ah stap fapping star faring okay those they look like peas
1: Hey, stop fapping in there. Hey, you <laughs> fapping in there, step fapping.
0: No, no, I joined NoFap years ago. Ah,
1: good then. Ah, we we don't want you fapping in there. You gotta stop it. <laughs>
0: uh it's um it's a sci-fi game.
1: It is technically a sci-fi game. What the weirdest thing about this, to me, is I mean, I don't even know if I should go into the weirdest thing given that we haven't even talked about the premise, but the fact that this game feels like it was made as a two-player game. Yes, it does. It very much seems like, oh, you have a GM who runs it, and one person who runs a ship, mm-hmm.
0: and that's it. That's the entirety of it. Yeah, they make a point of pointing out that it's a the, you have two classes of player in this game. The Game Master and the Ship Master.
1: Yeah, and it's just, the Game Master populates a, like star system that you will go to to explore yeah and figures out what all is in there and then the shipmaster says what the ship does and how the everything reacts to what goes on which it's wild to me that in 1976 you'd be like yeah here's a two-player RPG
0: like I'm not sure if it's supposed to be I Here's the thing, you remember that in the, night, the early to mid-70s was still the era of like the shot-caller rules in, in role-playing games? And that's what I thought yeah. it was going to be. Like, the, uh, the is just the one person who's allowed to d- approach and speak to the mighty game master, but then he's supposed to go back to the other three players and be like, the game master decrees that thou art stupider! And then they all go like, I don't want to be stupider, see if we can bargain with him collectively.
1: Yeah, it's it is one of those things that when I saw it, I thought immediately, I was like, Oh yeah, I remember this is still the era of one person is the shot caller, one person is the mapper, yeah. and you have people with jobs to do, and that makes sense. But then as soon as you get past the part where it's just like, hey, there's a GM who populates the worlds, and then there's the shipmaster who talks to it, it's then like, yeah, and then the shipmaster has a crew that they'll all fill out who's
0: in their ship. Yeah, so everyone gets their own ship seems to be part of it. Like, I genuinely uh, we can't tell if this is two-player or not. It, it seems like it might expand from two to multiple if you wanted. It feels like you could play with more than
1: just a GM and a shipmaster. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I feel like... Because it has the only rule that feels like it is more than two-player. There is an option in there of basically a PvP race Yes, of you are two different ships... And you are both trying to get as much money as possible within, like, a five-trip limit. Mm -hmm. And so the GM would go back and forth between the two ships and do that. But then that still feels like, oh, okay, then it's just... If you add more characters, everyone has a ship, but it is not cooperative. You're not in, like, a fleet or anything. Everyone is just... Like out there trying to make as much money as they can,
0: which is basically the only premise of the game: is you get a ship, you go out into space, you try to make a bunch of money, uh, and that that is it. And uh, you know, it's an early, it's a mid seventies game, so how does that work? It's largely random chance, yeah. Like it's got nothing to do with what your decision. You you pretty much go, I'm going to fly to a star system. How do I determine it? Oh, that's something that Ken Saint Andre was very interested in. So, so we'll come back to that because how you determine where star systems are and what's in them. Boy, oh boy, he's got thoughts.
1: Yeah. The setting for this, it is uh, 2,700. Yeah. So it's about 700 years in the future. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, society about 400 years ago, after 300 years, we managed to get out into space, and that was great. But then we had a Battlestar situation where we made a bunch of robots, and then the robots tried to murder us. Yes,
0: yeah. And we found a warp gate. Because the only thing we could get off-planet on, were human. Uh, the humans were uh, Boussard sublight drive engines. But luckily, one of the first stars we got to, even though it probably took a couple hundred years to get there, had like an empty alien ship with power crystals and warp technology and shit. So then we were like, oh, well, now we know how to do this. Yeah, we
1: the main MacGuffin of what makes faster-than-light travel possible so that you can actually have a sci-fi game yeah. is a thing called Star Crystals, which yeah. humanity found some ancient alien Hulk that just got crashed into uh, a planet and it's Planet Hulk mm-hmm. and now he's the strongest one there is. Yeah,
0: he had to fight that giant bug and yeah, then that big really rock small guy. Bug. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But they find this old spaceship and figure out, oh, star crystals. We can use three different types of crystals to power a ship. There are Brahma, Vishnu... And Shiva, Shiva yeah. crystals. That's right.
0: Yeah, because they represent the ship's overall power for Brahma, the ship's defensive capabilities for Vishnu, and the ship's destructive capabilities for Shiva. Yeah, he actually did a little tiny bit of research into a religion that he probably had recently learned about. Probably, yeah. Um, so you have these crystals. I like that the artist took the concept of star crystals super literally. And just threw them as crystals that are shaped like big cartoon stars.
1: Yes. I mean, that is one of the jokes. The other exact same joke is we created Stargates, and it's just holes in space that look like stars.
0: Yeah. Which, you know, America Chavez would eventually come around to and and do as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, So, so, yeah, we we had to fight robots. We fight those robots.
1: We are getting our asses absolutely handed to us. The only reason we don't lose immediately is because there are still some robots that are nice. Uh Uh-huh and are fighting for us because the robots are smarter and better and stronger and everything than humanity. But then humanity finds some alien species that gives us hyper hallucinogenics that make us psychic. Yes, And so having psychic powers makes us capable of beating robots because now we can uh, see the future and do precognition and telepathy, and all sorts of nonsense, and Mm -hmm. so we end up destroying the robots. Yeah,
0: the robots simply could not keep up with our super psychic capabilities, and so we were able to defeat them, but there are still robots around at this time.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, we still had robot friends, uh so not all the robots got destroyed, but there is even 400 years later, because that was 400 years ago was the Robot Wars.
0: Yep.
1: uh, There is still prejudice against robots. Yeah. Because everyone still remembers that time when they fought us.
0: Yeah. Or they just remember Isaac Asimov novels. They remember them. They remember them very well, yeah. very carefully. Um, so the and then of course the psychic power starts to fade away over generational loss because we don't really need it anymore. No one's in a big war with robots, and because ship technology has become so advanced, thanks to all of these cool alien innovations like Brahma crystals and psychic drug powers and so on, people are stupider. Not well, I much. mean that's
1: not why they're stupid. We're it's the exact same argument for people are stupider that we've had for hundreds of years, which oh, is know. anytime any technological advance shows up that makes it easier to learn, it means we're dumber.
0: Yes, yeah. that's uh, It's just pulling out that old saw about how like the internet makes it so everyone is dumb now.
1: Yeah, being able to read means we're no longer able to do what the bards of old could do in memorizing verses of poetry. Yeah. And of course, once we get... Uh, newspapers and you could read anywhere why no one reads actual books anymore and we're all just getting tripe and then of course radio and yeah it's it's that joke everything is there and so in the future we are ever so slightly dumber than we used to be because we have technology that will allow us to get around needing to know some stuff
0: this one's wild to me because i feel like these spaceships don't supplant an original part of our life that would be enabling us to be dumber about it like I don't spend most of my time right now using my mighty 2023 brain to calculate like warp speed techni- uh, techniques and stuff. I don't know how to do those things, so I don't feel like learning to do to, to, or having a ship that could do those would somehow make me dumber in other aspects of my life. Yes, it's
1: it's just a ha. In the future, everyone's dumb, and I'm like, man, that idea has been around for so long, I, and it's still around, and yeah. whatever.
0: I mean, in this case, it's kind of a cartoonishly around idea so I'm not sure if it's somewhat tongue-in-cheek or not but sure I'll go ahead and give it the benefit of the doubt
1: Eh, I won't because there's nothing cartoonish about it it's just yeah in the future we're dumber because it's easier to be around that's true there's no joke it's just that's what it is
0: (laughs) I mean I guess I can see it as a joke because you know it's an extrapolation of the fact that yes that idea has been around for forever but then again I do feel like that needs some kind of cap hung on it to kind of let you know that yeah isn't this a funny idea Exactly. That in the far future, we're going to be the dumbest possible fucking people because everything will have been accomplished.
1: Except you get to the stats for your mentality stat, and it's just like, nah, you're probably about as smart as a person is now.
0: Well, given that the game has four stats, one of them is called mentality, but it's IQ. Yeah. Because it's the only one where you multiply it by 10, your results by 10 for some reason. Oh, and yes, you do just roll 3d6. Thank you for asking. Yeah. It How is, are you doing, by the way? It is
1: the 70s, and stats are only generated by rolling 3d6. Yeah. How's your mom? <laughs> She's rolling 3d6.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't talking to you. I was addressing the audience who was asking me just a second ago if you rolled 3d6 for all your stats. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's what they were doing. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh-huh. They were because they were curious. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Because they're not stupid yet, because it is in the future. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the future. We ain't stupid. I mean, unless you're listening to this in the future, because this is going to be a piece of recorded media that's going to exist for a while. So, Oh, yeah, if
1: it's the year 2700, yeah. and you're listening back on what people thought about what the year is currently, yeah. uh, we thought you would all be ever so slightly dumber than we are, and we're right, aren't we? Yeah. Th- take a hard look in the mirror.
0: Yeah, you're quite stupid there in the fu- 700 years in the future, aren't you? Buy crypto. <laughs> by my crypto. I've got this board ape for I'm going to be rich so so fucking rich in the future. All my apes gone. Yeah. <laughs> well, By then I'll have so much slurp juice. <laughs> so uh anyway, you have four stats. Their mentality, psi, physique or as the book spells it, psyzik. Yeah, it and health. It fucks
1: up in the first spelling of it, which is great.
0: <laughs> um <laughs> Each one of those is determined by rolling 3d6, but but uh, for mentality, you multiply it by 10 to make it an obvious parallel to IQ. Uh, there is also Psy Rating, which is basically... This is the only one that, as far as I can tell, does anything. Well, yeah. Well, I guess health is your straight-up hit points.
1: Yeah, so mentality is just, oh, goodness, how dumb are you? If you manage to get below a certain amount of mentality, then you are straight-up incapable of functioning anymore. Yeah. Uh, which there's a lot of points in this book where I'm not sure if he, when he talks about, cause you can lose mentality pretty easily, but there's a lot of things in here where he's like, oh, you'll lose like one from mentality. And I don't know if he means one from that 3d6 roll, which means 10 or one from the full. So if you have like, 140, it would go to 139.
0: I feel like in a lot of cases it has to be just the 3D6 flat against the times 10 number, which is why it's times 10 in the first place. Like, yeah, it's it also times 10 because wouldn't you know it, the coincidental middle range of rolling 3D6 and multiplying by 10 is also the average range of IQ. Yeah. Which is fine, and people have been doing that with fucking D&D for 40 fucking years, even though it sucks, and IQ sucks. Yes. Um, but... There's a lot of shit in this. In fact, the majority of gameplay in this game is you're going to fly to some location in your ship. You're going to check to see if you've got the energy to do so. When you get there, the game master will roll randomly to see if terrifying, crazy, galactic events are happening, most of which make you stupider.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of random event tables in here, and I would say on every type of event, there is at least one that is, oh, and then your crew gets dumber. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, weird. That seems weird to be flex, like a but regular okay.
0: thing here. And there's there is a way to get smarter, but it's shockingly expensive. Yep, we'll get into it. Um, it. It's just eventually you can become too dumb to operate ships. So I feel like that's kind of this game's sanity score equivalent. Yeah, except I think
1: when it says like, oh, you if you're too dumb to operate anything, I think it was like at a five, and I went, there's no way you mean a five out of like the times ten. Yeah, so like. Below if your that, your
0: IQ is five. You mean, yeah, yeah.
1: But I was like, but then if you what you actually mean is fifty, then you could roll a character that cannot function.
0: Yes, you could because you could roll a three or a four or even a five. Yeah, and be unable to function. So we're not sure which way that's supposed to go. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that does seem to be bit ba- like basically. I mean, to really boil it down, the core premise of the game is you have to take out a loan to buy your spaceship, and you have to pay that loan back by doing five adventures and making enough money to pay back that loan. Yeah. That's it. And then after that, you're supposed to mortgage your ship for mo- enough like fuel and crystals and shit to go do that again. That's the game.
1: Yeah, the... Uh, I mean, before we get into that, let's keep doing these the, the stats, stats thing. Sure. No,
0: I want to do the whole fucking game way <laughs> out of Randomly, order, just jumping ruined, back and forth. Y- yeah, that's where my brain's at.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know that's where your brain's at. You don't have meds. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Also, I've stopped fapping recently, so... <laughs> oh, well, that'll do it. Yeah. You're all full of your own juice. Yeah, exactly. I need to...
1: <laughs> that slurp juice. <laughs> I gotta grow these apes. Uh, so, yeah, that's the mentality. Psy... Your psionic stat is a, again, 3d6, mm-hmm. but then you have two substats that are 1d6 each. Yes. So your 3d6 psionic stat is determining what type of psionic stuff you can do because there is a big chart of all the different psionic powers and next to all of them it will have a number and you need to be at least that psionic in order to use that power Mm -hmm. so it'll be like oh if you want to be you know telekinetic you need at least a 12 psionic score to move things with your mind and so on
0: and very small things the uh There's side boosters in the game that raise your side score above what you could possibly roll. Which Which you need. Mandatory, yeah.
1: Because even if you're like, oh, I rolled an 18, I should be like a psionic powerhouse. You're like, no, you can do most of the minor stuff, but a lot of the things that you would absolutely need for, say, ship-to-ship combat, which is almost entirely dependent on who's got the best precognition, Mm -hmm. is... Like, oh, you're going to want to have at least, like, a score of, like, 34 or something. So you need to buy psionic boosters for that.
0: Right. I just realized what the Arab joke was because I didn't really look at it the first time I went through the game. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's uh, it's because it's the only star drawn in the game that has six points. Uh Uh-huh. That's why that Stargate doesn't doesn't yeah. like you, you get it. Yeah, do you get it? You get. God damn it.
1: Yeah, that's why I was like, I'm not going to bat for that no, fucking you're right. thing. <laughs> I'm not going to either anymore.
0: I thought it was I I thought it was just a generically racist star, and not a specifically racist there's, star. There's
1: there's also definitely a picture early on of a black woman that
0: I'm like, whoo-hoo, yeah. baby. Yeah, there's some mi- mistakes were made. Yeah, uh, and the, then defended the
1: two substats in psionics are. How many times you can use it before you lose it. Uh Uh-huh. So it gives you, like, you know, a D6 for how many times can you use a psionic power before you can no longer use psionic powers. And then the other stat is a D6 for how many days is your psionic refractory period. Uh Uh-huh. And then you can get anywhere from... You know, one to six days, so you might be like, oh, I can use one power every six days. Yeah. So even if you rolled an 18 and you're like, oh, I'm really powerful, I can only do it once a week.
0: Yes. Or you can do it six times once a day. Yeah. Wait, no, six times every day. Yep. There we go.
1: Six times once a day, every day, two times.
0: (laughs) Except on Tuesday.
1: Uh, And then physique and health are two different stats that you roll 3d6 for. Health is your actual like hit points for taking damage. Yeah. But physique is technically your physical strength and beauty, but is functionally just your beauty. Yes. Because this game does not have a system that cares about how strong you are. No,
0: there's no person-to-person combat system at all. There is no system for doing fucking anything that isn't shooting a laser out of a ship at another ship. And not only that, but like a very specific kind of ship. Like, you can only fight with the other kinds of ships made with a creation tool and then a special type of fight against the only kind of alien that they bothered to mention whatsoever, the slish.
1: Yeah, the, the slith or slish or slish. Uh, are octopus aliens that automatically hate everyone. Yes. So if you weir- see them, they're auto-violent.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's not entirely true. There are a few other mentions of, of alien types in here.
1: Well, yes, but they don't get statted. Like, no. the people who gave us the Super LSD... LSDX-6000 is what gave humanity psychic powers.
0: Yeah, there's, there's a reference to, uh, the, I think they're called the Berserkers. So there's, there's a... Well, those aren't
1: alien races. Those are the old sci-fi trope of someone sends out a satellite to murder everything that they find are called Berserker satellites.
0: Oh, well, technically Berserker is a reference, because they actually, they actually drop, name drop the author of the book in here. Yeah. Um, Hammer, Hammer something or other, I forget the guy's name, but... But there's a dude in the 60s who wrote a series of, of sci-fi novels called Berserkers and about Berserkers that were like um, people from another dimension. And you're right. They're they're like killer satellite thing. Yeah. But it's all based on one guy's fiction stuff. And they, they say it's like from the dimension of this guy's last name. Exactly. Um, and then also the Derbis, which I, I was fully ready to believe that Derbis was just a misspelling, right? Yes. When I saw that, I was like, huh this dumb idiot misspelled debris. Yeah.
1: What What a maroon. And then Red and I was like, oh no, these are rock monsters that are named Derbis.
0: Like, I'm pretty sure it's still a joke that their name is a misspelling yes. of debris, but it's kind of a glass houses situation. If your book is like 30% misspellings by weight to put in a misspelling joke.
1: Yeah. I was like, Sigh. I know you keep spelling it Derbis every time and just... I need to to let you know that when I first read that line, Mm -hmm. and I was like, Derbis, that's hilarious. You misspelled debris. I immediately went, well, now I need to make a character named Derbis. And then as soon as I realized that, no, it's supposed to be Derbis, and there are things called Derbis, I
0: went, damn it. Now I can't have a character (laughs) named Derbis. Yeah, I could a guy named Derbis Syzeek. (laughs) Not too late. Not too late. Yeah. But yeah, all three of I think they're probably a reference to something as well, because the, th- the third subspace alien you can run into is Cthulhu's. Yep. Um, which, I, they're just like psychic intelligences that don't want to get shot with lasers because it makes them feel gross or something.
1: Well, there's basically all of these things are in the, because there are a couple encounter tables. Yes. And this is all in the subspace encounter, because that's how we go faster than light, as we go into subspace. And in that area, that's where you find the Berserker satellites, that's where you find some derbies Mm -hmm. that are meteorites that want to crash into you, Mm -hmm. and it's where you find Cthulhu's that the only thing you can do is try and get away from them because they are unkillable. Shooting them with a laser does about as much as throwing a chocolate cake at your face would do, which is... Kind of annoying, but wouldn't do anything to you.
0: Yeah, you can drive them off with super psychic powers, but that's about it. Yeah. And then, yeah, berserkers are from the Saberhagen reality because of a guy named Saberhagen who wrote a bunch of books called the Berserker series. Yeah. So there you go. Um, the Slish, however, are like these these inscrutable octopodes uh, that, that want to hunt you down. And, and, you know, I know that it's actually octopuses, but these are space aliens, and the the plural of their name is octopodes. Yeah, they're aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The plural of alien is octopodes.
1: Yeah, the plural of slish is octopode.
0: Exactly. Mm -hmm. So they're like, they have a special kind of ship combat where, like, once you get a lock on them, you can't miss anymore because they're so direct about how they fly at you.
1: Yeah. Ken St. Andre was obsessed with the idea of if you tried to have a fight in space, it absolutely would not work without precognitive powers or hyper predictive math because if you're like, oh, if anyone is moving at even a fraction of light speed, which is what most ships would need to do in order to be interstellar, then shooting at them would be pointless because they would be so many thousands of miles away from where they were when you shot that you couldn't possibly do that. The reason the Slish don't do that is because they set their course on a mathematically predictable uh, like line mm-hmm. and will stay on that line so you'll know like easily where they will be every single time that it is your turn to shoot. Yeah.
0: Meanwhile, the other ones are all this like four decimal point on the, to the right of the zero math uh, about how hard it is to hit anybody and how you just desperately need to be psychic in order to have a chance. And I was like, you know, we had that problem in the world wars that we have gone through and you know, technically jets are still able to hit other jets with bullets, but we, we did invent missiles that can track and chase other vehicles and i feel like that's the ta- rather than hoping aliens give us super lsd we could just invent tracking missiles no you see we
1: have to use the lasers cuz only something traveling at the speed of light would have a chance to hit a ship that was going at a fraction of the speed of light cuz if we just shoot a missile we can't put faster than light capabilities on a missile but there's obviously there's no wind
0: resistance in space so if you're traveling a fraction of the speed of light and you fire a missile it will be traveling at least that fast <laughs> Because there's nothing to stop it from traveling that fast.
1: Yeah, but here's the thing. Uh-huh. Then the other ship just goes into, I don't know, subspace, and then you can't get them anymore. <laughs>
0: that would be true in either scenario. I'm, well, just, I'm just saying, 1976, we did already have heat-seeking missiles.
1: Yeah. Also, that's the kind of thing where I'm like, the, the hard sci-fi nerd who's like, yeah, but none of this makes any sense. I go, Yeah, it's why it's science fiction and it's fun times. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense because it's fun. Yeah. I don't care. I'm not going into fantasy going, Well, dragons flying doesn't make any sense. If you look at the, the amount of wing power they need to lift a body, I'm like, Plus, shut they the never fuck past the square cube law.
0: Yeah, that shit sucks. The reason we don't do that is because it sucks. I mean, I like doing that shit because I like coming up with fun solutions for why it could possibly work.
1: Yeah, I I have the solution for that. A wizard did
0: it. A fucking wizard did it. Yeah, a space wizard did it.
1: (laughs) We have star crystals, which allow subspace travel to be possible and also shoot lasers faster than light and hit people.
0: Yeah, I just love that. That we're like, oh, how do you get around in space? I don't know. Fucking star crystals that we named after the uh, Indian god set. Okay, and what, how do they work? Don't worry about it. It's basically space magic. It's fucking fine. Quit asking questions. What about uh, spaceship-to-ship combat? Well, there, there I have ideas.
1: There I need to show you, all right, so if we calculate C as the speed of light, and we get a 0.5 C ship. Now, the other ship is going, and I'm like, dude, once you've gotten into a seven decimal place, how hard it would be to hit something? I've stopped caring. Yeah. Your, your two-page rant on how bad it is to try and shoot someone in space does not matter to me. When I flip to the psychic section and go, oh, if I have, a, a like, 40 in psionic power, then I have an, a 90% chance to hit you. Great, that's all I needed. I didn't need your screed on this. I just needed to know how much psychic boosting I needed.
0: Yeah, I think I didn't even get it. all the, the, the other shit that would make it so much harder to hit each other in space, like you cosmic expansion. If you were out there and you fired a if you were out in deep space and you fired a bullet at earth, it would never hit earth. Not even in a quadrillion years because its its rate of travel is slower than cosmic expansion.
1: Hooray. So instead
0: of getting closer, it will just always be getting farther away.
1: Yeah, but the bullet's also always getting bigger is the thing. <laughs>
0: Ah, oh, you're part of that bigger bullet theory, huh? Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm part of that bullet bill theory.
0: <laughs> I'm a member of the bullet club. <laughs>
1: I really like watching the movie Bullet.
0: <laughs> so, so anyway, yeah, he gets into the weeds of science, hard sci-fi, occasionally, and it's very weird given how loosey goosey the rest of this is. But a bit back to the point, yes, physique doesn't really—it's just a hotness measurement, and so much so that they know it. The character they're designing is their example character in this game is. The ship's relaxation officer, so she has to be plenty hot to relax everybody, am I right? it's And it's wild because they're like, oh,
1: uh, you get a score between 3 and 18 for your physique, and you cannot go above 18 because that's as hot as a person can be. If you go higher than 18, then you become... So strong that it stop you stop being hot. So Ken St. Andre definitely had an opinion on bodybuilders aren't good looking because it's like, oh, if you get well, I mean, bodybuilders all also aren't really strong, that's just show muscle,
0: but still, if you get to a show level mu- of st- that's, that's still that's still muscle you can use. I know it's different than powerlift or muscle, but I'm saying I'm pretty sure that a professional bodybuilder could like outlift you, it's yeah, of course
1: they could. <laughs> Most toddlers could outlift me. I am a marshmallow boy. I am a pillowy soft baby. I'm, I am the equivalent of talcum powder. I am just willing to crumble under the slightest okay, touch. Fine.
0: Well, I am starting to develop some guns through, through hard effort, and I still feel like most bodybuilders, their show muscle is still better than my... Like, yeah, I'm willing to accept that there is a difference between a power lifter and a show muscle man, but they're both very strong. They have a lot of strength.
1: <laughs> eh. Eh, eh, all you bodybuilders, come fight me. Yeah. I'll show you who's real strong. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's what? Jeff. Now fight him. It's me. Fight me. <laughs> now fight
0: Jeff. Yeah, fight me. I've got good health insurance. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Um, he, yeah, basically he has this idea that like, bodybuilders are gross, which I'm like, dude, Arnold's first movie in the United States was in 1969. That's Hercules in New York, baby.
1: Yeah, it's a weird thing where he's like, oh, if you get above 18 in physique you've become sort of grotesquely strong Mm. and it's no longer good. And I'm like, odd? And it's weird that you would go into that because there is a way to get a bunch of strength because there's some drugs that do weird things in this. But even if you get above that, he's like, oh, if you get your strength above 18, then it no longer counts for beauty. It'll only count for strength for doing things. But then there is literally not a mechanic for using strength for anything or
0: beauty for anything for that matter.
1: Well, yeah, but there's never a mechanic for beauty for anything. It's just how hot you get to tell everyone your character is
0: like, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure because the art in this book, seems to be pretty separated from the, the text in this book. But I'm going to go ahead and say that this this lady with the with the constantly visible nipples through her jumpsuit uh-huh. is supposed to be that character they're making in the character creation model.
1: I, I mean, I don't think so. I don't think this had anything to do with anything.
0: That's fair. That's fair. I, I'm willing to accept that one way or the other. Uh, but that yeah, because the whole character creation is like, oh, we accidentally made a dumb, not very psychic, weak person. But they're kind of good looking. We'll make them sh- mm, the ships welcoming relaxation officer and i'm like oh god did you make a blowjob cop is that all you did (laughs) you gotta tell me if you're a blowjob cop (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Uh,
1: uh. (laughs) it's entrapment of my dick if you don't tell me that you're a blowjob cop
0: (laughs) that's technically a myth but yeah (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> just imagining someone then just on their knees pulling back and putting handcuffs on my dick. You're under arrest. I'm a blowjob cop. Yeah, there's, no, there's one tiny cuff
0: for each ball.
1: Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh, Fox,
0: come at us. Come get us. This is Fox TV, not Fox news. Come at us. If you want blowjob cop. And I know that you were purchased by Disney many years ago now.
1: Yeah, no, what it is is, Hey, trauma, get trauma. at us for the script to blowjob cop. We're
0: ready. We're ready to re- <laughs> We're ready to d- direct the Blowjob Cop meets blowjo-
1: Officer Kabuki Man. Uh-huh. It'll happen.
0: We're ready we're ready to go. <laughs> Come on, you guys will give anyone a shot, right? How about us? Let us write, blo- write and direct <laughs> and star at Blowjob Cop. <laughs> Please. <laughs> anyway,
1: that's the stats. That- the last half hour of has been us discussing those four stats. <laughs> now, you make a ship. You get a hundred thousand mega credits to build a ship, and it's all based on you can either do a uh, bit by bit buying of whatever. So it'll be like, oh, how many people can your ship support, like life support systems? Mm-hmm. All right, you have a small or a medium or a large ship, and that's some amount of money. All right, how fast can you go? What's your warp capability? That costs whatever for the warp engine. How many crystals of each type do you have? What's your capability for your computer systems? And you buy all of that. Yep. Spend a hundred thousand, whatever you have that didn't get spent on the actual ship itself. Mm-hmm. You then use to purchase uh, crew, crew yep. and accessories.
0: Uh huh. And accessories is basically anything you might want to put on board your ship, like you know food
1: or things for the ship, where it's like, oh, I can give people like a phaser or a suit of space armor or whatever.
0: Yeah, exactly. So there's all kinds of stuff you can buy to mount on your ship. Now, one nice thing is they mentioned that like a mega credit is a crazy huge amount of money. Like yeah. it's just it's, A it's,
1: mega credit is a million credits.
0: Yes, and it's not just a hyperinflation scenario where mega credit is now the, the what a cre- it's worth what a credit was worth in the 70s. Uh, you know, the 2670s, yeah. they, before inflation Back started. Back
1: in the 2670s, uh, everything was way better then. Now in the 2700s, all oh, these kids just keep watching TikToks.
0: We got better weed, though.
1: <laughs> better weed in the 2700s. <laughs> so, That's why everyone's dumber.
0: Yeah, because a uh, lot of great weed. Um,
1: Cheech and Chong's new gummies are now perfectly legal.
0: What I was going to say is that no hyperinflation has happened. Ships are just fucking expensive, and so, so is space equipment. But they make a point of saying, hey, if it's under one megacredit, and they, they have a list of things that cost one mega credit, like any kind of gun you want is one mega credit. Uh Anything under that, you can just have. Don't worry about it. No, like or, that's it,
1: just in your budget, who cares? It's like
0: the one interesting idea here in this game is basically the the look, it doesn't it, it, below a certain point, you're so wealthy as a person who owns a spaceship that it doesn't fucking matter and you can just have what you need.
1: Yeah, cuz the whole idea, uh, we kind of mentioned earlier, but uh so the storyline, which we also didn't finish, is by the time we get to 2700 after the robot wars and all that uh, we have essentially colonized everything that is close by yes and we were getting to the point where we're like oh we're all fucked up we've got too
0: many people as too many folks it's too many people and they got too many problems <laughs> yeah um also are they they've gotten very bu- like very bougie about their space wanting because they're they oh, point- yeah. they're like like, look, if, if any planet has more than 100 million people, it's considered dangerously overcrowded.
1: I'm like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. We are not overcrowded at, like, 7 billion people here, and if you're like, no, only 100 million per planet, you've, you're you doing some weird shit.
0: Yeah, so, so like, yeah, any planet that goes over 100 million, it, it's too much, so we got to send out groups of people to find more planets so everyone can have, I guess, big-ass farms or something. Yeah, so we... Recently,
1: in the timeline of the game, discovered how to make stargates that can jump people to distant solar systems. And it's sort of like the interstellar thing where it's like, oh, we can jump you somewhere. We have no idea what is on the other side of it. Yeah. So the reason you are making a shit ton of money is you take out a 100,000 credit loan uh-huh. from a government. And the government then goes, great. Uh, you can use that to buy a ship and crew and all that, but then you get money for going through gates, which is super dangerous, but if you find... There's a whole chart for how much you get paid, but like, if you find a star, you get a certain amount. If you find planets, you get a certain amount. If those planets are habitable, you get more. If those planets have star crystals on them, because we're also running out of star crystals, you'll get a big bonus. Yep. If they have heavy elements, because we also have... Uh, essentially the Star Trek ability to, you know, make whatever we want except for heavy metals, like heavy materials. Yeah. So anything heavier than like, I think iron or lead or something like that, we can't make.
0: Yeah. You have to go get it. You have to go take a ride for heavy metal.
1: Yeah. A free ride though. Yeah. (laughs) Come on. So,
0: so anyway, um, that's the premise. You get five trips to try and make your money back. Or else they repossess all your shit and you're a failure and you got to make a new character. Yep.
1: So that is the general idea of this is not only is it wild that this is well,
0: essentially a, a
1: two-player game, yeah, but also there is a hard limit on your adventures of like, hey, your entire thing is you have five trips to make enough money to pay off this ship, and if you don't, you fail and you're done. And yeah. if you do, you win.
0: I feel like a lot of the time, Ken St. Andre products, based on... By a lot of the time, I mean of the two I've ever read... Uh, he would have been better off just living in the modern era and writing micro games. Yeah. Because that's pretty much all that this is. This is like a, a 60 page micro game. Where- I mean,
1: honestly, this is either if someone redid Starfaring in the current day, it'd be a perfect Jeff Stormer Party of One yeah. RPG for two players, or it would also be the great premise for just a board game. Yeah. Of being like, yeah, everyone has a ship. You're all trying to make X amount of money here you go, you're doing that. I mean, it's essentially Galaxy Truckers is yeah. sort of that.
0: It's basically Galaxy Truckers plus a bunch of uh, ill-thought ideas about space travel, bad jokes, and poorly drawn racism. Yep. That's. It's like, it, it, you know, if you realized way back in the 70s that you could just release a two-page game and let people have it and play it, and you didn't need to, you know, fill the space by shoveling in garbage. And it's... Also interesting to me, because usually when you
1: see something like this where you're like, oh, man, you had a very basic premise and then you kept putting stuff in there, usually there's more crunch to it. Oh, yeah. Like, I would think this would have a, ah, here's an entire section on person-to-person combat, because we gave you the ability to buy armor and personal weapons and, and explore planets. You can, like, except know there's how strong, nothing of that.
0: And you can like know how strong your character is and shit, but it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't do anything. No. You can build your character such that they are their spaceship. There's a whole section about people who use up their bodies and then transfer their consciousness into ships and become ship shells. Yeah, you can be a shell person and
1: that's someone who put their brain into either a robot body or just hooked it up to a ship's computer or you're in a server somewhere. Yeah. And that's a thing you can be.
0: Yeah. So if you want to see where he does get into the weeds, well, it's the part about creating your own star systems, which he doesn't seem as excited about creating your own star systems as he does about inventing two kinds of randomization based around calculators and playing cards. Yes. Which is weird because his book has dice. Like, he knows what dice are. Like, I know it was 1977 and the D10 was five years out. But the D20 with one through 10 printed on two sets of faces was a well-known entity, and he's still like, well, how do I generate a random number between 1 and 10?
1: Ah, I know. Okay, you're going to need a deck of cards, and you're going to take all the face cards out. I'm like,
0: why? Like, it's funny because he's like, yeah, this generates a perfectly random number between 1 and 10. So what you would do is you would take the full set of random face cards, or, or random cards minus the face cards, and flip four of them out, and that generates four points past the decimal. And I'm like, but that's not random anymore. Each one that comes out reduces the chance of that same number appearing by 10%.
1: Yes. And also, there's one of the things that uses cards is like, oh, what's the percentage chance that whatever will happen? And if you pull a 10, then it's 100%. I'm like, oh, so there's a 4 in 13 or 1 in 13 chance that it's 100% of the time, 1 in 13%. I just... The whole time I'm looking at this, I'm like, man, just roll some fucking dice, my dude.
0: Yeah, and meanwhile, the randomization using a calculator is, like, put in a long number. Like, write boobs down, you know. You know you can do that on a calculator. And then, like, take the cosine of that. And then take the square of that. And then take the square. Then take Hit the percentile sign. Hit the factorial button. And then once you've randomized that a bunch, take the last four numbers. And that's your four numbers.
1: Great. Good. Thanks.
0: He spent so much. This is... This book has, like, one page of psychic powers, one page of character creation, uh, five or six pages about the story. Like, four of the pages are dedicated to these two kinds of, of number randomization. This was the most exciting thing in Ken St. Andre's world.
1: Yeah. I mean, the fact that he's like, dude, you need to go get a cool graphing calculator from Radio Shack, literally saying go to Radio Shack and get a calculator. Yeah. These things are great. And I'm like, man, I, I guess. Sure, man. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's oh, go to Radio Shack. They sell an excellent one for $30. Amazing. Thanks, Ken. And then by utilizing the square, square root, percentage keys, and any other random keys you see, you see all those weird keys up there? Just whack at them. Hit the tan button. You're going to get a weird number. (sighs) And I'm, I mean, that is the kind
1: of thing where I'm like, that's fine. Again, for the idea of like a micro game going like, hey, if you've got everyone's got like a calculator on their phone nowadays so being like oh if you want to play this somewhere where you're just walking around or on a road trip or doing something where you can't you don't have dice on you or you couldn't roll easily here's a way that you could generate random numbers and i'm like that's great thanks man that's a cool way to do that this is an RPG that you plan on people sitting down at a table for and you already are making them use dice. Why did you do
0: this? I mean, I guess because he does mention at the start of the section about creating your own star system that he considers that portion a kind of solitaire gameplay experience, that sitting around rolling numbers and writing down stars is a fulfilling game experience that he greatly enjoys, which is just like, ah, random chance. Hmm, a slightly oblong star is located .462 parsecs from the galactic center you say okay i'll just mark that down on my xyz axis
1: and he has a random uh what each thing is so it'll be like ah i've determined there are four planets circling a white dwarf star and one of the planets has humanoid life well now i need to figure out how it's possible that one and you're like Okay, I get it. I, I get, get it. that this is a fun little game for you
0: to play. A lot of people like doing that kind of shit. World building is perfectly fine. That's
1: the reason Traveler exists. Yeah,
0: Traveler also will just do it and then sell you a whole book of them having done it. But but, uh, but yeah, it's pretty much that. It's just like, hey, a lot of a lot of nerds love to sit around and just design procedurally generated little worlds. So. Yeah,
1: you love to go, oh, I made a volcano planet, but it also has a highly religious group of reptile aliens. All right, what does that look like? And mm-hmm. then you get into that. And I appreciate that. One of my favorite things is random tables that give me prompts to then make me go, okay, creatively, how do I make this work?
0: I prefer them to give me props. Uh, but but I understand where you're coming see,
1: from. See, whereas I like for them to give me kudos.
0: <laughs> no, I meant props for my prop comedy. Yeah, so well like I meant to kudos the candy bar oh, that doesn't yeah. exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, they've got they got they got so small they shrunk out of existence, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah. They
0: just kept getting smaller and
1: smaller until they Those are props. now minor uh <laughs> We've got a little mini mini kudos that are the building blocks of our
0: universe. Yeah, and If you go down small enough, you'll see a little mini m and Look, them. at the risk of sounding like a wizened grandpa, when I was a child, kudos were like the size of a fucking tire iron. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
0: they, they, they tell they were, me again about the yeah. kudos, grandpa. You get like a box of six, and it'd be like you were carting surfboards home. Uh, and, and then by the time I was like, I would like to purchase a Kudos bar as an adult, it was like this minuscule pinky size thing. Yes. And I was like... And it wasn't because I got bigger and the no.
1: Kudos stayed the same size. No, all, right, I kept, all right, all right, all
0: right. <laughs> because I kept a single Kudos from every box so I could track their shrinking over the decades.
1: Yeah, I love to track shrinkage. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh-huh. It's cold. <laughs>
1: it's very cold so, in the Kudos factory.
0: What was your favorite thing <laughs> about starfaring? Uh, I'm just doing that because we're running out of time. Yeah, I know. Okay,
1: Starfaring, the best thing in this for me, I I like the setting, honestly. The base idea of like, look, it's the future and we've just discovered how to do this sort of Stargate galactic jumping so we can actually get outside of our own galaxy mm-hmm. and go explore. And you're someone that is essentially gambling on whether or not this will be successful because you're the type of person who's like, yeah, I'll take a hundred billion dollar loan in order to go into space. That sounds great. And that's a fun premise to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go jump around and explore and try and find stuff. I like that. I like the idea of where this is coming from, especially, yep. as you said, if this were more like a modern day micro game type thing. Like, that's a fun premise. Absolutely. Absolutely. What is your favorite thing?
0: Uh, I Like I said earlier, I like the uh, economy system basically falling apart at the super low levels and them saying, what that means is you can just have whatever dumb props you want. Yeah, uh, or kudos. Kudos. You can have all the kudos, you can have all the props, uh, you can have all the, the, the zero bars. You just, you name your choice. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I like that just because I like that, that that's kind of a modern take on how to do uh, money design to be like, hey, if it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You don't need to write down the value of a signet ring in every edition of D&D. You can just say you can fucking have one. Yeah, no it's one's ever gonna cared. not going
1: to change anything, and no one will ever fucking care.
0: Yeah. Oh, you got prices for two kinds of whistles? Thank goodness. Good job, D&D.
1: Uh, wha- well, that's, that's good, because I... I was really fretting on if the twenty copper whistle was going to be better than the thirty copper whistle.
0: Yeah, I'm a whistle aficionado, and I have important thoughts on what I usually do is I like to take a graphing calculator when I'm determining Uh what my whistle's going to do, and then I I wet my wet the graphing calculator to to track how much I could wet my whistle. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. What's your least favorite thing?
1: (laughs) Ooh, I mean, my least favorite thing in this Uh, racist art is I mean, even beyond the fact that. Several of these pictures, I'm like, woof, rough buddy. Mm-hmm. Especially the like couple of very racist ones and the every single woman has her nips out. Yeah. The the placement of the art, like there's a point where you're trying to build your ship, and just in the middle of talking about how many crystals like you need to get your ship and how much it costs for whatever, there's just two full pages of bad comic art before you get back to it. And I'm like, don't do that, man. Just realize, just put your shitty art somewhere else so that I can fucking read your goddamn thing. Yeah, it's
0: like right in the middle of how much engine crystals cost. You're just like, all right, so I can buy Brahma crystals cost... Uh, I'm trying to... Oh, boob oh, comics. Not great. Oh, I stumbled on some R. Crumb shit. I right, just <laughs> turn the page again. All right, there we go.
1: All right, finally. Yeah, no, I, I do think that the art in and of itself is when it's not being awful, like... This and this when it's just doing a haha Stargates but they're
0: stars. Aliens look like Bullwinkle but they don't like to be called Bullwinkle.
1: Yeah, sure, fine. That's that's some good, easy, shitty humor. Yeah, it's not terrible, but man, when it's bad, it's real bad.
0: Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. Is that your is that gonna be your least favorite?
1: Uh, no. Honestly, my least favorite thing is that there's no systems for anything. They're just like, here's how you calculate shooting a ship. Oops, we forgot
0: literally anything else that you might do in a game about exploring planets. Yeah. Basically what you do to explore planets is you fly out there, you're rolling a random chart, and if an explosion happens, your ship get the people on your ship get stupid.
1: Yeah, there's That's it. There's a background galactic radiation encounter, which just makes everyone stupider. If you're in subspace and you encounter a Cthulhu, they make everyone stupider. Yeah. There's just a lot of ways to make people on your ship dumb.
0: I guess it was very funny.
1: It's so funny, especially yeah. given that there's no system for what mentality does outside of a basement of you need this much to function. So going from like, oh, I went from a 160 to a one hundred, what does that mean? Fucking nothing.
0: Yeah. It means nothing. It's the sanity tracker. It's the fucking uh, Call of Cthulhu sanity tracker, where you'd think it would be neat if it had some kind of effects where I, I think it sometimes does in some COC games where like you lose half your sanity and you start becoming twitchy or edgy or whatever. I don't know. But it, usually it's like a binary. It's just like it's like a hit points. Yeah. And that's what it is here. Your your health is just another hit point track where you're supposed to eventually get too stupid to keep playing the game. Yep. All right.
1: So there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that they don't have any other systems is my least favorite thing. What is yours?
0: Uh, I was going to say that, so I'll just say the racist art. Great. There you go. Hey, got em. we got him. <laughs> we got it. The art's pretty bad and racist and p- improperly placed. I don't care for it, and I wish it wasn't in here. It'd be better if it just wasn't here at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's wild to me, though, because you can tell... That Ken basically took the finished typed up manuscript that he had for the game, handed it to the artist and said, hey, give me some art for this. The artist then returned with a bunch of weird comic-y bits, because a lot of the art will reference things in the actual text. Mm -hmm. But the beginning part of it where he talks about like, hey, it's not my fault that this art is here. He's like... Well, I wasn't expecting this art and it just came back to me and it was that way and of course I had to put it in here there's nothing else I could do.
0: Yeah. It's also kind of fun because this thing is so underground. Like it's clearly just been self-mimeographed and was sold out of at a convention or, or at his college or whatever it was. Because you've got um, you've got like pictures of the Starship Enterprise and the Superman logo Bull
1: and Bullwinkle. Winkle.
0: Just, just whatever. Just put them in there. I don't care. Uh, who's, gonna, who's gonna come after me?
1: Oh, what's that? A supernova, which is just a big Superman S symbol with some rays coming out of it. Oh, how, how funny! Yeah, how good.
0: So there you go. Would you play this?
1: Uh, if it got updated, I would. But I wouldn't play Starfaring as it sta- as it stands. There's just not enough to do. And honestly, even in the text. Ken is like, hey, if you think of a way to do a thing, just write to me and tell
0: me how to run my game. I don't know. If you think of a cool system, let me know. Yeah, I honestly was considering those kinds of paragraphs for either my favorite or least favorite thing about the game, and I couldn't decide which. Because I was like, oh, look at the part, the section on playing as aliens. He's like, yeah, I strongly recommend it. That sounds like a great idea. I have no idea how to do that. If you think of a cool one, send it to me, and I'll publish it in our newsletter. Yeah. That's the whole thing on playing as aliens. Done. Yeah, all the other ones, because you can play as a human, or an android,
1: or a robot, or an androgyne. So if you're basically not an A... If you're asexual, he's like, oh, if you don't want to get down and dirty, you're smarter than people normally are, and better looking. And healthy, yeah, healthy, same thing, yeah. Yeah, you get plus one physique, and health, and plus... I think 10 or something mentality. to your mentality.
0: Yeah. So you end up being much, if you're, if you choose to be completely genderless, you are smarter because in his words, you spend way less of your time obsessing over that opposite sex.
1: Yeah. You don't want to get fucked. So it's even like, Oh, it's not just that you are a gender. It's asexual. Yeah. Cause it's, you don't think about getting down and dirty. So the part of your brain that would think about sex instead thinks about, I don't know, math or
0: something. <laughs> <laughs> so.
1: And also you work out more, I, I guess. I,
0: yeah, that obviously. Sure. So so yeah, that, that part was a little gross. But yeah, the part about aliens where he's just like, I don't know, send me your great ideas. On the one hand, I was like, I like that that kind of zeni spirit that you get there. On the other hand, I want some fucking alien rules. Yeah, g- so, at least give me an example of how one. you
1: could do this. Yeah. So. Instead, he's just like, I don't know, if you think of a good way to make an alien, let me know, because I didn't. Yeah. I made a whole ass game. Why is it my duty to come up with systems for a game that I wrote? You should do that.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't think I'd play this. It doesn't seem like it would be a whole lot of fun. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Thank you so much for checking us out. I'm sorry. It was such a downer ending. Uh, but... If you want to hear us make characters for this game, I don't think we'd play. Then good news, you're in luck. All you got to go do is go to our Patreon.
1: That's right. You go to patreon.com slash systemmastery. Join us at the entirely bargain basement, $2 a month price. You unlock our bonus content here we will make characters in all the games we've done. We have years and years of backlog of weird characters we have made as well. You also get ad-free versions of the show, uh-huh. your own private RSS feed that'll go along with that, and uh, there are you know other levels for more bonus content yep. up to 4 or $10 a month, and that'll get you yet more stuff every week if you need something to listen to while you're at work or driving or doing stuff. We're there for you. We
0: put out nonstop nonsense. Yeah, if you're if you're in the middle of your hard eight hour day of blowjob copping, then are then... you
1: copping blowjobs? Are you blowjobbing cops? <laughs> Don't
0: stop that last one.
1: Don't do that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but if you're a blowjob cop, hey, look, like if you got a long day, a
1: cab. All cops are blowjobs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Support our Patreon. Thanks so much. Have a good day.